My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Gustav Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Casal. Hello. It is Friday night, September 29th. What? Here we are at McSaw Studios North. Late night, 10.20 start on a Friday night. Because tonight we have a special guest on the show. Our good buddy, Jeff, owner of Arkham Gift Shop. Hello, guys. Book Shop. Hey, guys. Tonight we're going to talk a little Marvel Legacy number one. We're going to talk... And we're going to talk comic shop owning. <laughs> the highs, the lows, the middle ground. That, that pretty much covers it. Yeah, I think those are all the levels of yeah. comic shop ownery. Jeff, are there, are there other levels beyond high, low, and right there in the middle? Um, those are the three dimensions, I guess. So there yeah. could be subterranean levels. Yeah. Do you think we'll get into that tonight? or Who knows where this is going to go. <laughs> We're here to figure it out. We're going to break down more levels than just three. Ian and I covered some topics before the podcast already, so... We did. We're going to circle back. While and Matt and I were slogging through Marvel Legacy number one. Because surprise, it's what we were going to talk think. about tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Why read it beforehand when you can just uh, read it right before? I didn't know we were talking about this tonight. I thought we were just talking general... Is that... Jeff and what it's like running a comic book shop. I didn't know we were actually talking Marvel Legacy number one. Well, I don't know how long we actually knew it, but we figured, and when I say we, maybe me and Ian figured that mm. Jeff's coming on, he can offer us, like, the comic book store owning perspective as well as in a week when one of the biggest events in comics, in a while really, has launched. So maybe maybe it's fitting that we that we, you know, Include it in this week's comic book store owning episode. Absolutely, I'm glad that uh, we, as, took, we all took the time to read it. As of right this moment, I own quite a few copies of it, so <laughs> maybe by the time this podcast airs, I'll own a few less. Maybe it's going to be a slow burn issue. Yeah, maybe. So before we get into legacy and comic shop ownership, Ian, give us some housekeeping. Exhaust.com is. Our little shop that we have web comics, we have this podcast, we also have comic book reviews whenever Paul has time to read things instead of cramming before the big podcast. He puts out his review. He puts out the reviews of the comic books that he reads. It was a little bit of a pop quiz for him tonight. It was a pop quiz. There was panic in his eyes. We'll see if he passes or fails. How they're just glazed over. Uh, the webcomic can be found at mixos.com. The podcasts, you can find a variety of different ways. You can find it in the iTunes store. Its home is on Podomatic, and you can also find it through Stitcher Radio. And for the old classic episodes, we have over 200 episodes, and they can be found in the archive, mixospodcast.libson.com. And Jeff, I'd like to take this time to let you talk a little bit to the fans about the Arkham Gift Shop Comics and Collectibles. All right, well, Arkham Gift Shop opened on October 1st, 2008, which uh, will be nine years on Sunday. Ooh, nine years. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy, happy birthday. birthday. Is it birthday or anniversary? anniversary? I guess Happy anniversary. People have brought me cakes, so it could be an anniversary birthday. Did Matt bring you a cake? No. And Matt's not that good for this one. And a shitty friend, yeah. apparently. Yeah. But I haven't gotten a cake in probably... 
the last seven years, so it's, it's people are over it. You'll accept belated cakes and belated gifts. Yeah, if anybody so. wants to make up for the last few years and bring cakes, I'll take them. That was Amy. Is that on me? Yeah, uh, no. what, Jeff, where where can people find your store? My store is located in Allison Park, um, in North Hills. It's on Grade Eight. Um, Where's the North Hills? Hampton Township. Where's Hampton Town? You have to understand, our audience is universal, oh, pretty much. Okay, well, it's <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's Earth, Earth. If it's universal, Earth. The <laughs> bits uh, for this part, six one six on Earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's in Pittsburgh. It's in the northern suburbs of Pittsburgh, uh, Allison Park, Hampton Township area. Um, Where can they find you on the World Wide Web? The World Wide Web, I do have a website that we don't update very often, but it will steer you towards other things where you can, can find me more regularly. Uh, it's ArkhamGiftShop.com. Uh, shop is spelled the fancy S-H-O-P-P-E way. Shoppy. Shoppy. Um, but that'll steer you to my Facebook page, which I do have a pretty regular presence on. Um, that's where you'll find you know, up-to-date references to events that we're doing, which we do quite a few. It seems like we do about one thing a month at least. Um, What's the next event that you have coming up? The next event is Hot Dog Saturday, which is next Saturday. Um, it's something we do five times in the summer where we basically have a cookout outside and we have sales going on inside. A lot of my customers come, they hang out all day, so it's a good time for everybody to get to know each other. Um, it's good for me because a lot of my customers hand sell each other stuff, which is nice because I can't read everything. So people can basically come in, socialize, talk about comics. Marvel yes. Legacy number one, maybe? That might be a hot topic next week. Um, maybe. maybe people will come in and be like, did you guys hear what McSauce said about Marvel Legacy number one? That could happen. I could, I could see that happen. That one guy, he just kind of like crammed it in. How dare he not know that that's what they're going to be talking about? A little excuse. Unfortunately, right after, they'll be like, Jeff, take this off my whole list. Right. So the next thing after Hot Dog Saturday would be the end of the month. Um, I don't remember the exact date, but it's the last Saturday in October we do Halloween Comic Fest. That's a national thing. Most stores do it. Um, it's basically like free comic book day, only it's more Halloween theme. Less comics, but I think, in my opinion, I think the books are real cool. So we'll have, we'll have free comics that day. We'll have trick-or-treat. Uh, I encourage people to come in costume. Is there an incentive for them to come in costume? Yeah, you get entered to win some cool prizes. I don't like to say, you know, pick a winner and say you're the best costume, especially because a lot of them are little kids. Oh, you so. could show up just as you are and trick them into thinking you were in a mask. Oh. Oh, burn. I would have no problem picking a winner of shitty children's costumes, sending one home Victor and the rest home losers. Yes. But uh, just if you enter, if you go to the trouble, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put you into uh, one of those. Sounds like a lot of cool activities. Yeah. Mean, Old Arkham gift shoppies. Ye old. Arkham Ye gift old. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to believe it's been nine years already. Uh, feels like about three. I'm still making money like it's about three. <laughs> but that's a whole we probably get into that topic. But, so, so I, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt here, Paul, but Jeff, that sounds like more on the lower level that we were talking about earlier the the making money yeah. like last three years it's you know it's been a tough year i think um i i've 
heard from other shops around the area through the grapevine and it's it's been kind of tough all over the industry's been down a bit the past year or so um, so getting through that's been a little tough but it's kind of a loaded statement that it's been a down year what what do you think is causing that just general economy the state of comic books comic book malaise <laughs> The fact that Marvel's been high tide for so many years, and this year they suck. I I didn't want to um, kind of like put that thought in Jeff's head. Well, it's already there. Um, <laughs> I I think uh, a lot of it's the economy. I think people are nervous about the direction of the the state of the world right now. So I think people are reluctant to spend their money. But I also think that um, if the product were a little better, they might might be more willing to part let me it. let me give people a little bit of incentive when we're all stuck in nuclear winter we're not gonna have the fucking internet so you better stock up on paper books and entertainment because that's all we're gonna have those books are gonna burn just like your flesh <laughs> so yeah. you might as well enjoy them now if you're far away dead. from ground zero you, you might yeah. have some comics. so buy some buy some books um, real books but yeah marvel's been been pretty bad um i've been working in comic shops since 1990 and I don't ever remember Marvel sales being as bad as they are right now um, Jeff are you reading much um, I was keeping up with as much as I could the DC rebirth stuff until I started getting behind um, I was telling Ian earlier that um, part of the, the curse of being a comic book shop owner is you tend to grab anything that looks cool or interesting mm-hmm. and then you end up having a stack of comics that you can never in your wildest imagination ever keep up with and read so um, I'm trying to come up with some some ways right now to to make it easier for myself to organize my my books to actually get things read that I want to read so it sounds like there's not a lack of quality but it sounds like there's a lack of spread out quality amongst companies yeah I've, I've been digging DC a lot lately um, and you know there's a lot of things I'd like to check out like the the Marvel Star Wars stuff I've heard good things and bad, um, bad a lot from you, Matt. Um, but I'd like to check them out. I haven't gotten around to them yet. I have big stacks of them. Um, I was saying to Ian that I think uh, I'm going to start concentrating more on trade paperbacks. I think that that's the way to re- well, that's the way to read modern comics mm-hmm. because everything is written in six issue arcs. Right when I'm collecting so many books. And I decide I want to read the latest arc of Batman or something. I've got to find it over three right. or four boxes. And it's just... Organizing, it's the thing that keeps me from, from staying up to date, I think. So if I have less books, I'm actually collecting. And So I agree with that. Handling all the books and digging out you know, certain issues to try to get caught up is a bit of a challenge. Which brings me to um, the whole digital component of... Uh, the comic book industry now mm-hmm. has that done anything to business negatively or even positively um, I don't think it's affected me negatively too much I have um, one or two customers over the years that I've I know have left because they just prefer the digital format mm-hmm. um, one guy recently in the last year when Marvel for a few months went away from giving you the free download he decided well he was only reading his downloads anyway so he stopped, stopped buying them all together. So, did he um, ever come back? Or? No, no, yeah, no. He probably just went right to comicsology or whatever and just buys them. That Thanks, way. Marvel. Yeah, yeah, so that that didn't help. But that was only one guy. 
Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't even we didn't even like him. No, we didn't. What a jerk. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, if he's listening, actually, he's he's a good guy. But um. <laughs> but yeah, no, that hasn't really affected me adversely. I th- I do think that a lot of guys like that format. I think, you know, for um. You know those bus rides to work and things like that. It's it's easier to deal with your iPad. Yeah, if you ever go somewhere right. like on a on a vacation or something, it just makes sense to bring an iPad right. and no books. You don't have to worry about getting your comics wet at the yeah. beach and stuff like that. Although there's a bit of a glare on these iPads, as you may have noticed, yeah. and it makes outdoor reading kind of difficult. Are you a big uh, beach reader of your iPad? Uh, in Believe it or not, I like reading on the beach when I go, which is like never now. Yeah. But um, I like reading a regular book. Mm. Um, comics, I've never been a big fan of actually taking on to the beach itself. Mm. I feel like a, a nice paperback is the way to go for beach reading. That's not to say you can't bring your iPad and read some comics when you're laying in bed after a day at the beach. Yeah. I'm always too drunk by the time I make it down <laughs> to the beach that all my stuff would be a mess. But I think I think most of my customers are, are they would prefer a comic, you know, a physical comic book. Um, they're collectors. I think they like the tactile nature of of the comic book. I know I I've tried reading some things online, and it's to, it's nice at some at times when you don't have access to the book. But I prefer so, actual comic book. Do you feel like? the majority of your customers are collectors or are they mostly in it for the stories? Oh, I think, I think the majority of people are the types who they'll buy a comic and they're just going to throw it in a box. They're not going to worry about bags and boards. and. So they're like, they're kind of like completionists, but they still prefer just to read the story. It's yeah. Not, they're not, they're not in it for the value or, you know, for just the different, you know, I have a handful of guys that they, they they bag and board everything, and they've got the apps on their phone, and they keep track of every every week when they get their books, they scan the barcodes. And I tried doing. I had some software that did that. I tried doing. I remember that you for, doing that, dude. It took me. I feel like it took me a month to just go through my um, my collection, and then I never kept up with mm-hmm. it. So yeah, I figure once you get it all in there, and then you just have to do it every week when you buy new books. It's probably pretty easy. But it's getting there, especially for old guys like us that all have pretty significant collections. Mm-hmm. It would be a bit of a chore. It was a lot of fun going through and looking at all the old stuff and really tallying up what I had. But it did become a full-time job after yeah. a while. And that's that's what keeps me from staying up to date reading. <clears throat> so I'm trying to simplify things and just collect the books that I really want to collect. Yeah. And then read the stuff I want to read. And I think it's easier to just take a trade paperback home and read six issues that way. Mm-hmm. Than, you know. But I'll always collect Batman and Star Wars and stuff like that. But. Is that all the stuff that you grew up reading um, in, when you first became a comic book fan? Yeah, what's well, funny. I, um, when I started collecting, I was a teenager. I, I was into superheroes since I was a little kid, you know, watching Adam West or watching the different... Um, cartoons from the 60s and 70s but I had very few comics but uh, I kind of had some friends when I was in high school that were into it and got me nostalgic and I remember going to the newsstand up at Ross Park Mall and buying Hulk 340 which was uh, 
with a famous cover with Wolverine, and you see the Hulk's reflection in his claws. Who who and drew that issue, Jeff? That was, um, Todd McFarlane. McSauce's own Todd McFarlane. Yeah. But uh, that was a great issue, and I don't think I've missed a week of comics since. That was 80, 87, I think. I always like it. I feel like uh, collectors our age um, that started collecting whenever they were in their their teenage years or or you know somewhere around there always can remember like that first issue that they bought and it's like that you know in their mind like that prized possession that you have yeah and i know yours is spider-man number 12 ironically jeff so is mine but paul what is your first comic book that that just hooked you uh I don't really know. I dabbled in a bunch of animated series stuff for a long time. But the first ongoing book I got was Batman 661 or something. 611, whatever the first Hush issue was. Oh, okay. Uh, 618, I think. Sure. That's one thing I'm not good at is remembering key key issue numbers. <clears throat> you know, you'd think in my, my line of work I'd be natural at that, but I, I'm not good at that. Yeah, it's Bat- it's uh, Jim Lee cover. Batman's swinging towards the towards the camera. You see the big bottom of his boot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm wrong. Um, I thought that there were double digits in. Yeah, it was, was like six, six, one, six eleven. Did you say six twelve? Was it six twelve? I don't know. It's right around there. Yeah. Uh, might have been six oh eight. It was something. Right. It was some weird, it was some off number. I remember uh, that. That was before comic book companies were obsessed with. 608. Like completely obsessed with number ones and kicking mm-hmm. off everything at the, you know, with a brand new series. DC was confident enough to give us some wacko 608 and people were excited enough by the creative team to jump on and use it as a jumping on point. They didn't need it dumbed down to number Well, that's, ones. in my opinion, that's one of the reasons why the comic industry is where it is right now is because of the constant renumbering. Because mm-hmm. um, now no one knows what, what to start with. Because well, there's a billion well, Jeff, why don't, why don't you summarize the state of the comics industry, in your opinion, as a store owner? Well, first, let me, I'll finish this, this subject on the, the renumbering just because it's, it's so, I think, critical to why we are where we are right now. Um, it's a quick fix. When you, when you renumber to number one, at least in the past, there was that spike in sales. And I think that customers are so jaded by it now that number one doesn't mean anything anymore that that you don't see that spike in sales. You might see, maybe you sell one or two more, Mm -hmm. you know, a small store like me. But um, what it does is it limits the lifespan of a comic book. So if you're up to issue 13 and that's the part of a new story arc, and a customer comes in and they're like interested, we'll say Daredevil, and they want to check out Daredevil. And I say, well, 13 is the first part of the story arc. Like, well, do you have 1 through 12? And, you know, if you're out of them, mm-hmm. then, okay, well, I can give you a trade paperback. But I really would rather have the comics. No, they're not really available. I can't reorder them at this point. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I think I'll pass them because I won't be able to follow it. Whereas when your first issue of Daredevil was 512, you didn't worry about collecting the other 511 issues. You just jumped in. Mm-hmm. And I think nowadays there's this completist idea where you have to have 
from one on. And if you can't, you won't bother to start the series. So series have a shelf life now. I don't, I don't think that is a new thing to customers by really liking the idea of being able to get a number one and have the whole series. Like when Spider-Man launched mm -hmm. in 1990, I think it was, with, uh, with McSauce's own Todd McFarlane on illustrating and writing duties... Uh, it was pretty exciting because I remember as a as an eleven year old when I finally did snag I went back and got because mm -hmm. I started number twelve I went back and got number one I was really excited and I had Spider Man number one so it mattered but it's just the industry didn't cater to that that well, yeah a, a number, passion back then a number one meant something because they weren't every well that month. too that too um, now you have like a series like Star Wars or something that'll run eight issues and then they'll cancel it. And then a month later, it starts over number but, one again. But, you know, companies other than Marvel are guilty of this as well. Like, um, how many number ones of Hellboy has there been? Right, every everything's a limited series. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, Hellboy never... Hellboy doesn't run... Hellboy story runs concurrently, but they're all set up as right. traits. Right, I'm not singling out Marvel because every company's doing it. Right, but... But um, I think they're starting to wise up to it. Um you know, Marvel with their going back to original numbering and can debate how legit some of these numbers are. But um, I think it's a step in the right direction because it'll get people back worried about jumping into the story and not having a collection. How long is Marvel going to kind of put legacy numbering on their comics until they go the other way? Or do you think this, this is a, a permanent fix? Hopefully it's a permanent fix. Because renumbering doesn't work anymore. And um, I'll have guys come in trying to put together or run a Captain America books or, or Wolverine books. Mm -hmm. And they've started over so many times that it's almost impossible to figure out what's next mm -hmm. or what, what run it's from without reading the Indicia and seeing what year it came out and what volume it is. It's just... You shouldn't have to be a librarian to be able to follow right. this stuff. And I've been saying for years that even if they they do renumber that that legacy number should always be on the book somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, even if it's in parentheses or some, you know, it should be there for a long time collectors and people that want to put together a run. And in a way, it just kind of get, gives you like a frame of like the longevity of this character, how long these books have been coming out. I'm looking at the the numbering for cable and it's going to be 150 and i'm like all right that sounds like you know around when they mm -hmm. probably would have given cable his own and are they counting cable deadpool in that Pro number? You know, Pro probably. yeah yeah you never and know are they counting that number in yeah. deadpool also but at least like if they give you that numbering it's somewhere where we can all now agree like all right well this is where they're it is. they're counting or not counting whatever they needed to to get to 150 right. because <laughs> yeah. that sounds like a better number than 146 like venom is 155 and to me i'm like well, wait a second venom had like all these different series that were coming out i th i would think before cable so it is sort of like maybe a bit of an arbitrary number well, one of, but a funny example the first first year or two i was open marvel released a captain america 50th issue and it was oversized and extra priced and the following month, I think it was issue 500. So it went 50, 50th issue, anniversary issue, to 500th issue, anniversary issue, consecutive months. You know, which was, to me, ridiculous. Pick one or the other. Yeah. 
but um, yes, Amazing Spider-Man. They had gone back and relaunched the series, and then once they added it all up and they realized they were approaching Amazing Spider-Man number six hundred, they reverted back to legacy number for a little while until they relaunched it again. That's another tough one. Mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man would be a tough one to try to get. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's like I impossible. think they're counting like those sixteen point ones and all that kind of stuff. They were oh, doing. that's right, and yeah. those like negative ones that they did. Yeah. So. But at least, at least there's an effort now. It's hard to say anything is permanent in comic books because nothing is. But and, and the thing I try to tell people too when they want to go back to the number one is a lot of times. That number one's not the first issue. Mm-hmm. You know, especially like Daredevil, they've rebooted it like three times in the last five or six years. And, you know, it continues right after the previous series. So mm-hmm. even if you get that number one, there's still stuff before it. Yeah. So. Whereas whenever we were jumping on, I know when I started collecting comic books, I collected the last part just because it happened to be, I think it was May or, or no, I guess it was June. Um, it was June and a bunch of series were wrapping up and I collected... The final part of like of five from the perceptions from Spider-Man, mm-hmm. X-Factor. July was on the cover. July was on the cover, so I'm assuming it was June. X-Factor, I collected the final part of, of some long story. Same thing with Amazing Spider-Man. It was the last part, but it didn't matter to me. I was still invested in the characters, and it, it did spark a little bit of, well, wow, like this is really cool, but I wonder what happened later... I'll, I'll go back and collect that stuff later, but I'm, I'm, it, I don't need a, a jumping on point. All of this stuff is interesting to me mm-hmm. in this form. So do you, do you ever see people that, um, like, it, is there a certain, like, thing that you always recommend as, like, all right, well, this is the certain jumping on point for these certain comic books, or do you have a number one recommendation for people when they come in and they're, like, new fans? You know, I always try to get a sense of what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, people come in with no idea, and that's always the hardest because, like, what are you into? Well, I don't know. Are you interested in horror? Are you interested in superheroes? Are you interested in crime comics? Or I like any, baseball. Do you have any sci-fi? porno comics? Porno comics, baseball comics. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there's not enough baseball comics, but um, although I do have a Roberto Clemente graphic novel that I saw quite yeah, a bit. That's right. Um, For the Pittsburgh fans. Yep. But uh, no, I just try to get a sense of what they're into. A lot of them come in because they've been. I, I feel like I keep going back to Daredevil today. But um, are you a Daredevil fan? Yeah, what do you <laughs> I like Daredevil, but, but what a lot you got of against people, Daredevil. Well, the people, you know, they watch the Netflix shows, and they're like, they. I, so I've had a lot of interest in the last few years on in Daredevil. Um, it hasn't really translated to Luke Cage or or Iron Fist as much, or Jessica. I think more Jessica Jones than even even Luke Cage and Iron Fist. But mm-hmm. um, Daredevil seems to be the one that's really benefited from. From the Netflix series, um, I am selling a decent amount of Defenders right now. How's Punisher do for you? Um, not as good as I like. It does. It usually does well out of the gate, and then it it peters out pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I think it's been. It feels to me I could be wrong, and if someone would correct me, you know, by writing in or whatever, um, I feel like it doesn't come out all that regularly. It seems like it's always late. Yeah. I, yeah, I kind of feel like it doesn't also. Yeah. It's hard to keep track because there's so many comics. Maybe, and... maybe it comes out monthly and everything else comes out twice a month. If you want to speak to that because... The twice a month I am not a fan of. Why? I was saying to Ian earlier, um, 
people have a fixed amount of money I think that they spend every week. So they're gonna spend their 40 bucks or 50 bucks that they have. And if they're buying Batman twice a month and Superman twice a month and Justice League twice a month, that doesn't leave any money for Blue Beetle or for um, Iron Fist or something else that they might be interested in. But you know, do you have an extra three ninety nine when you're buying Batman twice? If you weren't buying Batman twice, maybe you try some new things and. and or do you think those. people would just save that money? No, they don't. They 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 have what they're going to spend, and that's what they spend. I've I've had guys come in on a light week and. If they usually spend about 40 bucks and they've got 20 bucks, they'll buy a graphic novel. Well, then why are... I guess Marvel and DC are both very guilty of this. Why are these companies doing that then? What's their rationale for well, it? Well, I mean, I think, you know, you, you're you going to sell a lot of Batman comics. Yeah. So that's the nature is you think, okay, well, we'll get... We'll sell... In my case, I'll sell 70 a month instead of 35. But... I'm not selling as many, I think, of some of the second and third tier books as I used to because everyone's buying the main titles and that's all they can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can see from Marvel's point of view or DC's point of view that you want to get your best-selling books out there as great as possible, but I think it's short-sighted because you can't grow your line that way. Yeah, the attachment to the... Con- like, say someone eventually is like, oh, you know what, Batman, Batman really isn't doing it for me. So they stop buying those two Batman books, but maybe they just drop out of comics. You know, if they were only buying, say, like Batman and Superman, um, and they, they stop that, they don't have any other thing that's pulling them and attaching them to that world of DC, and then they're just kind of done. And I even see it within the same character. Like, you know, if you're buying Batman twice a month and Detective twice a month, maybe you're not going to buy Batman Beyond now. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to check out Batgirl or Batwoman or... Nightwing. Um, Why does it have to be a Batman-related thing? Well, I'm just saying, like, if you're... If you are to go back to Daredevil? <laughs> what I'm saying is if you're a Batman guy... Not buying that foggy It, is, it even limits you from buying other <laughs> Batman titles that you might check out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. you know, I have customers that come in and they buy nothing but the X-Men titles. You know, um, they'll buy... Those every... people have to be rich because there are a million X-Men titles. Well, and then they, they pare it down, and then the next thing you know, it's back with where it was again. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying to someone the other day that I think what what Marvel needs to do, and DC does to a degree too, I'd like to see DC get all their books back to once a month, but what Marvel needs to do, I'll use Avengers as an example, and, and even X-Men will, will apply. Thank God it's not Daredevil. <laughs> and Daredevil. Now, there's only one Daredevil book. That's the one they're doing right, and I'm, and I'm selling a good amount of that book. <laughs> but uh, there's like six Avengers books, and none of them sell well. And the only one that sells half decent is the main one. Um, and I think half the people buy it because it's Alex Ross is doing the covers. Mm-hmm. But I think if, if Marvel would start getting one Avengers book out, one X-Men book, one Iron Man book, and try to build up the sales in that one book, get people to buy that one book instead of trying to sell six books. I think if you put out one good Avengers book, it will sell better than six are selling combined. It's same a, with X-Men. It's a destination for those characters, that team, the the stories that are going to affect them instead of just like, well, this is what these Avengers are doing on their lunch break. And this is what these Avengers that you've never even heard of are doing in Detroit. What uh, what kind of effect... I, I think we're devi- I'm going to deviate a little bit with this question, but what kind of effect do uh, the movies, the fact that 
you know, superheroes outside of Batman, Superman, Spider-Man have permeated pop culture majorly because of the movies. What does that do for comic book sales? I don't know that it does much. Um, that seems insane to me. Yeah, and part of it is a disconnect. I think when you go to the movie theater and you go to see the Avengers and it's Captain America and Thor and Iron Man and Black Widow and Vision and then you come to the comic book shop and you're like, Who's I really, this bitch? I really dug the Avengers. Um, I really dug the Avengers movie. Do you have a book? And you hand them the comic and it's Jane Foster Thor and it's Riri Williams Iron Iron Heart and it's... Uh, Falcon, yeah, Falcon Captain America. Captain America. And, yeah, okay. and they're like, who are these people? These aren't the ones right. that were in the movie. Well, that's well these fair. are your new favorites. That's yeah. fair, but okay, you go see a Batman movie, you get a Batman comic, and that's Batman. I'll tell you where it does translate to is uh, graphic novel and trade paperback sales. Okay. If you go see that movie and you dug The Dark Knight, right? you're going to come in and you're going to buy Dark Knight Returns or Killing Joke. Or, I think movie fans are more interested in that kind of quick fix yeah. You know, you go to a movie, it's two hours. Yeah. You go buy a graphic novel, you sit there one night and read it. I think the fans of the TV shows are more inclined to buy a monthly comic. They like they serialized, serialized storytelling. So I see a jump in sales on Flash comics and on Green Arrow comics, which sell better than Avengers and X-Men for me. Well, Is you the are Flash a... comic selling well? Yes. Ugh. You don't got, like the Flash comic? I haven't quite gotten it. I got three in. I thought the art was just three. shit. I couldn't, I couldn't look at it anymore. I hurt my eyes. Yeah. I forget who the guy is on it. but it, got a sprained eye. Like and it was more like... It was just more... I need to make my mark in the comics world. I need to make a new villain. Motherfucker. Flash has so many villains. DC, in general, has so many fucking characters. Use one of those characters. I don't fucking give a shit about Godspeed. Fuck Godspeed. Give me Gorilla Grodd. Give me Mirror Master. Give me give me a good established character. I hear that, but I, I do think new characters are of value, especially since there's been so few of them that have taken hold over the last 20, 30 years. Because they stink, Jeff. A lot of them do. I think a lot of artists and creators save, especially nowadays, they save those original characters for their image book or their creator own project so that they can own that so that they then can turn it into the next kick-ass or kingsman or something like that i feel like there was a stretch too where um they were overusing some of the main villains a lot Mm -hmm. Um, i'm thinking was it maybe the late 90s early 2000s where it felt like the joker was in every batman story arc for a while and i think characters like that they have shelf life Mm -hmm. And I think the less you use them, the stronger it is when you bring them back. Yeah. You know who hasn't been in a Batman book for a while is the Penguin. I feel like we haven't seen much of him lately. Yeah, I feel like a lot of writers don't know what to do with the Penguin. Let me tell you something. And I know that everybody likes to shit on the new 52, but I actually liked it, uh, at least when it started. And there was a Penguin miniseries that came out... uh, I don't remember who wrote or drew it, but it was so good. It was six issues, and it, and, it, and it told the Penguin story mm-hmm. from the time he was little all the way until, like, present day. 
and it included, you know, his his formative years and his relationship with his mother and the rest of his family and all the way into his love life, which was weird. And uh, and Batman had kind of a cameo in it. And, in and his love life? That's weird. In his love <laughs> Yeah, it was super weird. And it was far and away the best Penguin thing I ever read. And uh, I feel like... He's just he. You never see him in anything. Yeah. There was there was a good Penguin story back in the '80s. It was a Secret Origins special, and it's got a famous Brian Boland cover with um, Joker or with not Joker with Penguin, Riddler, and Two Face on the cover. And they had three stories. It was there or each of their origins, and the Penguin origin was really dark and violent. Um, but they took they've taken a lot from it. I have a feeling I I don't think I've read that Penguin miniseries yet, but. I have a feeling that they took some from that. Well, it it was dark, and he was very violent. He's yeah. he is a nasty, nasty guy. Like the the gist of it was, he was basically this tormented kid. Yep. Who maybe was a nice kid at some point, but got so damaged from being bullied and yeah. picked on that he, he claimed vengeance on his tormentor. Yeah, more or less. And um, they've actually taken a lot of that stuff. Maybe not the story itself, but the tone of it. And used it on Gotham with, with their portrayal of the Penguin. Do you watch Gotham still? Or I do. Yeah. Um, Gotham's one of those shows I either love it or hate it. Yeah. It's so over the top, and sometimes I really enjoy that about it, and sometimes it can be a bit much. Is Gotham the Penguin show now, or is Gordon still the main? No, guy? it's still Gordon's show, and that's why it, when it's not as good. But um, <laughs> the Penguin was really good the first season. And I think he's gotten a little silly at times. Um, I think the Riddler's really good. Um, they have a character, Jerome, who may or may not be the Joker. Yeah, that, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, Aren't really, they doing, like, uh, you know, guess if this guy's the Joker thing? All yeah, I think it's becoming more and more, because the, the kid that plays him is so good. Yeah. That I think it's gonna he's going to be the Joker. Yeah. But uh, they bring him in, like, once a season, and it's like a tour de force for, like, two or three episodes, and then he's gone. But Yeah. Um... Like the Joker should be handled. Yes, but it's you know it's got its great moments. I like I liked the Selena Kyle character and I like Bruce Wayne, except I think the kid needs to start lifting some weights now that they're going to actually have him on the streets. Yeah, isn't isn't he? Yeah, he's like doing Batman stuff. This he's season. got like that prototype all black, you know the, the the black mask and the trench coat look, but he still looks scrawny and looks like he gets ass kicked. So. <laughs> I think they need to start getting the kid on some weights. I think he's only 16. But. Why don't they just, you know, get him on the juice? Yeah, HDH. Yeah. They're not testing at Fox Studios. You can't so. see those giant foreheads through his cowl anyway. <laughs> yeah, and no one's going to put an asterisk next to it if he uh, kicks That's some right. ass. That's right. That's a baseball reference, right. folks. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably two more baseball references we've made on this um, show get, get right than we have in I'm the sure last there will be two more. 14 episodes. Now, Jeff, I know that you've listened to every episode. Uh, but I just want to remind you, normally we have hockey references on the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. I'm a little bit of variety. Yeah. I can do hockey. Just ham-fisted down our throats. <laughs> hockey references. I like, I, I for like no the, reason. I like the focus on baseball and Daredevil. <laughs> Let's get back to baseball and Daredevil. But the weakness of Gotham is when they concentrate on Jim Gordon and his love life. and mm. You know, it's pretty... When he's just doing detective work and being a cop, it's not so bad. But when when it's like his love life and well, they gotta they gotta fill twenty two episodes a season. Yeah, Ugh. 
I think they could shorten a lot of these shows and make them oh, better. Yeah. yeah, I think if every show was twelve, a nice tight twelve episodes, fifteen at the most, I think we'd have better TV. I for think everyone. that's that's where Legends of Tomorrow is benefiting because they're only they do the first half of the season yeah. and then I Zombie is the second half yeah, of the season. It's a little tighter. They both get like thir- 12, 13 episodes. Stories are tighter. That's you get all the good stuff. You don't get any Jim Gordon love life. Yeah. Does Jim Gordon have a mustache yet? That's no, he's still, he's still clean shaven. He does yeah. have a gravelly voice. like yeah. Kind of like a Batman voice. Oh boy. Harvey, mm-hmm. yeah. let's check and see what the penguin's up to. <laughs> he didn't sound like that on the OC. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, he didn't sound like that on the show, and you were dissing Jeff's impression. Yeah, yeah thanks, Paul. <laughs> no, that's a pretty good impression. It was disappointing. Like, I wanted him to be Jim Gordon, like, as soon as he started dropping the, the gravelly voice. And he's kind of a dirty cop. He's murdered some people. And, yeah. yeah. You know, which, you know, isn't... Jim Gordon, I think I was, like, the one good cop in all of Gotham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it's uh, a moral compass. Yeah, he's trying he, to fight the mob. Yeah. One Batman can even stray Jim Gordon. And Gordon's starting to become that, but the fact that he has that history kind of cheapens the character a bit. Yep. So, Jeff, you started to get into a little bit of the state of the comic book industry, uh, at least from your perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is the overall state of it, and where is it going? Well, right now, um, it was a tough year for me. It was a hard, hard year sales-wise. Um, I look at it when when Marvel's not dominating the scene, that's not a good thing. Um, luckily, DC's having a real strong strong period, and I think the image books that are hits are helping. Uh-huh. Um, Star Wars is definitely helping, even though there's too many Star Wars titles. I think they still sell stronger than most of my Marvel stuff does. Yeah, well, if you look at the like the Diamond uh, week, monthly sales charts, mm-hmm. Marvel or Star Wars is at the top of the Marvel list. Unless it's a number one from Marvel, uh, a Star Wars comic yeah. is ahead of it. And they generally are selling, and again, you can attribute that I've been open more years and my customer base is getting stronger, but they definitely have doubled at least what I was doing with Dark Horse when Dark Horse was putting them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think there's too many. I've already seen some Star Wars fatigue with my fanatic customers. Mm-hmm. Um, they still buy the main one. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still buying the Darth Vader one, but I'm seeing less sales on Poe Dameron, who shouldn't have an ongoing series. Isn't it up to issue 19 now or something crazy? 19 or 20, something yeah, like that? Like, that yeah, that seems like way too high. Also, if anybody needed a limited series, Poe Dameron. And that's, I, I, disagree, I disagree with that. I think he's a good character for an ongoing series because he's they can do it... Um, they can do it like a television series where like each issue or each arc is a different adventure because Leia's sending them out doing different things, different missions. You know, each arc can be a different mission. I I think after the first the first two arcs set up a great bad guy for him. Phil Noto did the artwork, did the interiors. It was a great looking book. And then after that, the creative I think Phil Noto was off the writer stayed, but it just the it just took a nosedive. I don't know if like if it was because Phil Noto does faces so well, and you were looking at Oscar Isaac in mm-hmm. every panel, that like the other guy, it just wasn't the same story after that. But I, I think Poe Dameron's a good case to have his own book. I've looked at a few of the upcoming um, pitches for the upcoming issues, and 
I guess the next mission he's going to be looking for, what's the guy's name? Or, or Senteca, mm -hmm. the uh, Max Fancito character. So I'm wondering if they're going to get him up to the beginning of Force Awakens and then. That's what it sounds then, like. That yeah. might be the end of. Because yeah. I, I feel like, um, to me, that was a 12 issue maxi series, and it's up to issue 19 or 20 now. Um, my customers are getting tired of it. Yeah. Do you think the fact that. Um, that Lucasfilm has said that all these comic books are canon and they fit, of you know, officially right in with the movies. That that's a little bit of a turnoff, or is that something the customers like because it makes it feel more legitimate somehow? I don't get the impression that that influences them one way or the other. Yeah, I think there's a handful that that means something to. Um, I know I had customers that were upset about them decanonizing the Dark Horse stuff. Well, it was never canon. It was expanded universe. Right? Yeah, right. But, it, was, it was always like, but there was an understanding. I, I, I read an interview with Lucas years ago when they first started doing expanded universe stuff, when they started doing the novels and the yeah. comics. And he said, yeah. Do you have a George Lucas voice? I don't have a good George Lucas voice. I'll have to work on it for the next time. you have a good Kermit the Frog? Because that doubles as a good George <laughs> Lucas family. <laughs> I need help. That's I'm not even gonna try it. <laughs> I did it for you. That's what's his name, Mr. I could do a Randy Vance. Savage. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> a Randy <laughs> Savage doing George Lucas. I could do a Randy but Savage George Lucas. A canon, <laughs> so what did what did George Lucas say uh, years he, ago? He, when he they... basically said that yeah, you can consider it loose canon, but I reserve. The, uh, the right at any point to contradict it in a movie if it suits the movie so the movies are really the only true canon and read them and enjoy them but that's you know they're just meant for fun and the movies are really the only true canon and that's what I've always approached it as and you know I tell my customers I said you know read them for fun like don't worry about it, if it it's all make believe yeah gonna it's make all fake <laughs> right like is this gonna mean something someday it's like did you yeah. enjoy it there's yeah. no test like right no one's going to quiz you it'll and, be and fine the people that were so angry about them with the expanded universe the dark horse stuff and i'm like did you enjoy the stories yes but they're not they're not real anymore right, like, they're not, they're never dark. Were. <laughs> never were, right? it's like if you enjoyed it you enjoyed it split of the mind's eye is so crazy compared to what actually went on in, in the following Star Wars movies, but I enjoyed the book when I was a kid, and you know, I enjoyed the goofy Star Wars comics with Jax the Rabbit and Don Juan Quixote and all these crazy characters. They I've had heard it. weird shit like they're trying to figure out a way to bring Jax back. Somebody was talking about at uh, Baltimore Comic Con, Fuck somebody that, was talking man. about Jax the Rabbit and that whole race of beings being put back into the Star Wars universe. You know, if they want to throw a green rabbit-looking alien into a cantina somewhere, I don't have a problem with that. If they make him a Jar Jar Binks type of character, then that might be a problem. But yeah. Because he was kind of a, from my memory, a Jar Jar Binks-ish character. So, so Jeff, you had a little bit of a rough year, and, and Marvel's... Um... Marvel's primarily to blame. Okay. I mean, I'm sure I share some of the blame, but... <laughs> You know, <laughs> I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm the greatest comic book shop owner in the world, and even I can't can't overcome Marvel. But uh, it's been tough when I'm only selling five issues of Iron Man. When a year ago, when it was Tony Stark, I was selling 16 copies of it. Yeah, right. You know, when I'm only selling 10 or less copies of X-Men books. Yeah, um, that just doesn't sound right. I was selling more combined of just 
all new Avengers last year that I was selling combined of all like five or six ongoing right we've all we've all been in comics long enough and when I say in I mean as readers (laughs) Uh, we've all been in comics long enough to know that don't reward to know (laughs) it was funny (laughs) to know that uh, X-Men sells really well right so like when you hear numbers that low, that that's shocking. X-Men was always the gold standard. It was like, you ma- measured every other book on how's it sell compared to X-Men. And then in the last year, I'm selling more copies of Batgirl than X-Men or, you know, Blue Beetle than X-Men. Or, yeah. So know, Titles that sh- should not be selling more than X-Men. Well, right. Marvel is going out of its way to sort of make... X-Men a lesser property than Avengers to, sounds like, to varying degrees of success. Like Avengers yeah, is still just, where it always was as a comic book property, mm-hmm. but X-Men now also is falling to, down to, to that To spite level. Fox Studios? I mean, that's... It seems so stupid. It seems very short-sighted, you know. The fact that there's not a Fantastic Four book, which was really the beginning of the Marvel era, mm-hmm. and there's not even a Fantastic Four comic on the shelf for the last two years or so. Yeah, I'm surprised it doesn't seem like with um, Legacy that they're bringing back the Fantastic Four. I know that they they had some of the characters in Legacy, yeah. But I didn't see as I flipped through like the yeah, previews. They're, they're version. gonna be in uh, what's it, Marvel Two and One, the Human Torch and the thing. Oh, there's just gonna be two of them uh, in one book. So Jeff, before we get Hence into the name, yeah, before we get into where it's going, and and I think that uh, our uh, review of Legacy kind of uh, segue from that. Um, do you want to? Is there? Any, we talked a little bit about the lows. What? Why don't we talk a little bit about some of the highs of uh, owning Arkham Gift Shop in Allison Park, which is just outside of Pittsburgh. Yeah, let's get some people coming to the store. Um, Tell us about the groupies. Um. Yeah. Yeah, there aren't. Ah, <laughs> that's one thing that. Um, okay, so that's another low. But we're gonna. Was, I'm telling you, we're gonna get to highs. When I uh, opened my comic book store, no one told me there wouldn't be groupies. But, uh, <laughs> Are you? Is that why you've stayed in business all these years? You're. I've been able to hope? focus on business. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I've had that distraction. Um. Now, good things about the industry is, uh, you know. You, you meet a lot of cool people. There's, you know, my customers have become my friends, and you know, I mean, Matt and I met working at a comic shop. We've been friends for a long time, and that's you know, true. Some of my best friends are people that are start out as my customers, and and that's a cool thing. And you know, the, you have these loyal people that come in and they hang out with you every week and keep you from getting work done, but but that's fine <laughs> because you enjoy their company, you know. And yeah. Um, you know, I think good things about the industry is I think DC's been doing some some fun things. Um, you know, they've made comics fun to read again. Has metal been doing well? Yes, I've been selling that very. What's well. metal, Paul? Metal's some new DC book that they're doing where I, I don't even know what the fuck it's about. Batman. It's about there's Metallica a, and Megadeth. There's a Justice League. Seems like every it's... I've only seen images. There's like a. Matt would hate it because it's like alternate realities. Matt loves metal, though. I do like like, metal, but that sounds... There is an Iron Maiden comic coming out. They're all like armored up versions of the Justice League. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a metal comic called like Rock Stars where there's a, 
Children of the Beast uh, storyline going on. It's got the Iron Maiden font yeah. for those metalheads out there. I haven't read it, but anyway, what, what's metal about, Jeff? Well, I haven't started reading metal yet because I'm behind. What are your people telling you? They're telling me that it is pretty good. They're buying up all the tie-ins. And actually, I've had a few people that in, in the industry you find out, like people will say, pull metal for me and pull the tie-ins. And there will be tie-ins that are like one-shots. But then there's also tie-ins where Teen Titans ties in with it or Suicide Squad. And usually they don't want those. They just want the one-shots. Well, I've had my customers saying, do the Teen Titans one, do the Suicide Squad one. And I think that's a statement on how much they're enjoying the story is that they want hmm. all the parts. Um, but yeah, it's some kind of Batman is taking on versions of himself from alternate universes mm -hmm. and they're up to no good and he's trying to stop it. That's what, that's what I've been getting from it. He said, I'm behind. That's part of the curse of being a comic book shop owner is you read less comics than you ever read before you opened the store. Um, so, again, I'm trying to figure out a way is, to is get it back because It's like a Twilight Zone up to yeah. stuff. All the comics I can read. <laughs> right. Is that is that just because of business, or are you not enjoying them like you used to? No, I enjoy what I read. It's just um, it's that kid in a candy shop thing where everything you pull out of the box, you're like, oh, that looks cool. I got on my pile. This looks cool. I'm putting it on my pile. And then your pile is like two inches high, and you're like, I don't have enough time in a week. Just two inches high. You come and look at how big my pile is. These are not. Oh, euphemisms. we got a pair of piles here. These, these are not euphemisms. These are <laughs> I'm, legitimate I'm talking, comic book piles. I'm talking each week, not the total pile. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a big. Yeah, that's a lot of books. And then I decide. Jeff, I wanna, your two inch pile is very impressive. And then I decide <laughs> I want to read my Daredevil comics. <laughs> and. And your baseball. Comics. And my baseball comics. <laughs> And the baseball comics are easy to find, but the the Daredevil ones are not so much. And, did, uh, did you miss your calling and you should have opened a baseball card store? No. Okay. Well, that industry is dead, right? Like, nobody it's, buys baseball, baseball cards. cards are all about, and I don't want to get into a big segue on baseball cards, but <laughs> it's all about I do. buying these packs and getting these random packed in cards that'll have like a shred of Babe Ruth's underwear on it. <laughs> You know, and it's like, oh, I got the Babe Ruth underpants variant. You know, it's not even about the cards anymore. It's about all the nonsense. Dude, I am all in on collecting Babe Ruth's britches. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Mine has a skid mark on it. Extra. Yeah, yeah. Extra that's value. definitely worth protein. Um, so did, did anyone get... I can clone my own Babe Ruth from this one. Did anyone get a pair of Stanley's underpants with Legacy this week? Unfortunately, no. I would have settled for a good comic book, Paul. Yeah, me too. Me too. Spoilers. Didn't really enjoy it. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get into that. But, <laughs> but good things about the industry before we start talking about that again. Um, like I said, DC's been putting out fun comics. I think Image is doing a lot of cool, interesting things these days. Um, what has The Walking Dead done for the comic book industry? Anything like beyond just being successful in and of itself? Um, you know, I think it's brought a lot of people into the store that would never have come in before. Mm -hmm. Have they uh, ventured into other things other than the walking? A lot Dead? of them have. Um, a lot of them have ventured into superhero books, and and again, I think it's the nature of you watch Walking Dead, you're going to watch The Flash, you're going to watch Arrow, mm -hmm. you're going to watch sequential TV shows. Um, but I think it's lent itself to to other titles like Saga selling well 
Um, obviously, um, Kirkman-related books, although it hasn't really translated to Invincible mm-hmm. um, as much as you try to tell them. That if you like Walking Dead, you like Invincible. They, I think that it's so far along they don't want to start it. Mm-hmm. But um, Well, at least pretty soon you'll be able to tell all the people, well, here's the complete series. Like, if you want to read something from beginning to end, which yeah. that's a selling point to a lot of people that aren't traditional mm-hmm. comic book fans is well I want to read I want to read the entire story and as a comic book fan we're all like nah, it's going to go on forever yeah. so I'm on for the ride but a lot of other traditional readers are like I want to I want the whole story open and closed right. I think book, book comics like The Walking Dead have contributed to uh, the trade paper back market because um, obviously people can't afford those early ones mm-hmm. so they have to start with the trades and I have a lot of Walking Dead customers that that's all they buy but they buy the monthlies and then they buy the trade when it comes out mm-hmm. and um, and I think that lends them to okay I'm digging this Walking Dead trade but I don't have anything to read for the next six months what else do you recommend you know do you have Saga can I try that out can I check out Outcast mm-hmm. um, and a few of them have gone for, for Invincible but um, I definitely for my store I do a lot of business in, in trade paperbacks graphic novels um, I'm limited by space, so I can't do a lot with back issues. I, you know, I have a somewhat of a representation, but I can't. I don't buy collections too much because I don't have anywhere to put them. Mm-hmm. But trade paperbacks, I do real well with, and every week I get. I don't know, a small week, I'm probably getting ten new ones in, and yeah, anywhere from this week, I probably had over thirty. Wow. Because well, Walking Dead came out, so that's eight right there, eight <laughs> copies of that. But yeah. Um, I think that helps the market. Because I've heard people say it hurts back issue sales, but I don't really think so. I think you've got your fans that want to read the story, and you have your fans that want to collect comics. Yeah. And the people who want to collect comics are always going to hunt the back issues. So I don't. I think there's two markets. I think it, it opens up, and I think it opens up to. Um, I've been noticing in the last few years a lot more female customers, which um, you know, as opposed to none back in the day. Well, that's because <laughs> all of Marvel's car- heroes are now female. Yeah, the the DC ones are the ones that sell them. Oh. And everyone talks about Squirrel Girl and and no one buys them. And Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel, uh, Captain and Marvel. Ms. Marvel sells better than Captain Marvel does, um, for me anyway. But what about Ironheart? Four or five copies a month. Five. You know, whereas Tony Stark Iron Man, I sold sixteen on a regular basis. But you know, Harley Quinn, I'm selling fifteen, sixteen a month. Wonder Woman, I'm selling twenty-two a month. Uh, and twice Wonder Woman outsells Harley Quinn. Yeah. Huh. I would not have guessed that. Um, judging by the cosplay, you could never tell. Well, judging by the cosplay, judging by our presence at um, conventions, we move more Harley Quinn artwork than Wonder Woman by well, a long shot. If you went to a convention and pulled the people there and said, who's your favorite character? I think the two landslide winners would be Deadpool and Harley. That's yeah. That's been our experience. And I think if you pull, but then if you ask them, well, tell me like a story that you really liked about Deadpool or Harley, they would be they they wouldn't have a story to go to because they'd never read a book. A lot of them would be hard pressed, I think. Yeah. But if you also pulled them and said, well, who's your least favorite character? I think maybe Aquaman might be the most landslide choice. Because it's the popular choice, and no one knows what the god. Because Family Guy. Family Guy made fun of it, and Big Bang Theory made fun yeah, of it. because he's been the guy that's talk, talks to fish since fucking Super Friends. But you come into my store, and 
Which of those three books sells the best? Aquaman. Because it's a great fucking book. Mm -hmm. Dan Abnett book right now. Good stuff. Aquaman and Harley sell better than Deadpool for me. Um, yeah, like, I don't know what, well, I guess the same could be said for Harley, too, in my opinion. I don't know what you're really going to get out of a Deadpool and Harley book other than just nonsense. Yeah. I guess that's what some people like. That's why they choose to dress up as Deadpool. I mean, we all, we all read uh, Legacy, some more recent than others, but, like, the one page of Deadpool and it was the the dumb page in the book. It was like, yeah, like why is of, this even there? Of course the, he was the on one page. Of course he was, was on one page. It was like two pages, but um, one page was. I know there um, were a lot of dumb pages. One was uh, a splash yeah. page of him on the toilet. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's the thing, and it's always the tip off for me when they come into my store if they're really a fan of the comics or not, is if they refer to Deadpool as Wade. Yeah. If they talk about him and say, oh, did you see what Wade did? I know that they don't really read comic books. Do you kick him out? I don't kick him out. <laughs> because they're probably going to buy... Do you, need, do you need to hire somebody to do that No, because they're going to buy a pop vinyl and they might buy a graphic novel. Can I interest you in so, a guillotine? So, they, they, you know, even the non-fans... And, and I, they're fans of the character. They're just not fans of the comic book. But is it, they still spend money. So one know. of the one of the famous staples here on the McSauce Comic Book Podcast is a thing we call theater justice. Okay, where we basically murder people that act up at a movie theater. Mm-hmm. You know, make noise, talk on their cell phone, whatever. Uh, the idea is they are escorted out of the theater and then beheaded in front of people. Oh, now, now, well, yeah, but and fair, but and fair. fair, and it's very righteous. And do we need uh, Wade justice as well? Comic shop justice. It's, Comic it's, shop it's, justice. It's the, the the assertion almost that, that he's their friend. Yeah, that, that's yeah. weird. I've never heard anybody refer to him as Wade. Well, you don't like know a comic book story, in no, I, I, I it I doesn't have happen often. Before I also have the the. The fans that the Harley fans that will come in and they'll see. I used to have a Killing Joke poster up in the store, mm-hmm. and they'd be they'd look at it and they'd swoon a bit and they'd say, "Mr. J." It's like he will beat your brains out. Like the Killing Joke Joker will murder you, and then have sex with your skull. Yeah, like he's That's not he's joker. not he's not cute, mm-hmm. Mr. J. He's not boyfriend material. But I think a lot of Harley fans, to them, he is. You know who thinks the Joker is funny? And, like, if the Joker's done correctly? The Joker. That's it. That's who should think he's funny. Yeah, he should be scary all the time. Maybe it will have an effect and make him kind of a scary clown. Um, So, Jeff, one last thing before we get into uh, our review of Legacy because uh, I know the fans are waiting with bated breath to see what we thought of it. Uh, are there any uh, challenges in particular about uh, owning a comic book store? I mean, is your is your day to day kind of the same, or is it is it always an adventure at Arkham Gift Shop? I'd say the biggest challenges are are just knowing what to order. Um, the numbers are always fluctuating. Comic fans. Especially when they're being asked to spend four dollars on a title, you know they're going to be a lot quicker to pull 
pull a book out of their stack if they're not enjoying it. Yeah. And, you know, just keeping up on those numbers and trying not to overorder things, um, trying to have enough of the things people are, are digging, trying to get a sense of a buzz when sometimes you don't get that sense of buzz until the day it comes out is tough. Um, an example of a book that I didn't know was going to be hot till it was gone was Mr. Miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would have told me that I would sell out of six issues of Mr. Miracle in a day, I would have told you you were crazy. I thought I ordered probably four too many. <laughs> but it got word of mouth and was gone, and the second printings were gone instantly. And I know that I bought that book just from like Twitter hype and yeah. like just people. So you read it? Nope. Bought it. <laughs> Jeff, did you read it? I gave my copy to a customer. Did you read it first? No. I'm going to read the trade. You didn't read it, Paul. Nope. But back to back to the theme of I'm going to start reading trades so I can keep up with books a little easier, I think. is. Well. But, but, but that's the trick is, for one, keeping up with your order, but also, in cust- you know, people, if you're listening to this, if you have subscription pools at other shops, pick up your subscriptions in a timely manner. <laughs> because your comic book shop owner has to pay for that stuff. It's not on loan from Marvel and DC and, and Image until they sell it. It's theirs. And I have right now 34 copies of Legacy sitting at my store waiting to be purchased. And and that's fine. They're, they're, they're on the shelf. They're not subscriptions. But I've got customers that have $100 in their file right now and they haven't been in in months. And, oh, boy. And it's like... Deadbeats. Deadbeats. And you try to... <laughs> You try to keep up with it. Let me guess, they're Deadpool and Harley Quinn comics. No. Actually, it's kind of the worst offenders are Star Wars fans. Ah, uh, uh, you know what? I could should have known. Yeah. People who only get Star Wars, but... Um, Nerf herders. Yeah. But, the, <laughs> but I think I had a guy last year. Last year was a brutal year for me with Abandoned Files. I had a guy stiff me. And I had a history with the guy, so I let him go way too too long. Mm-hmm. But I ended up losing about two two grand in sales. <gasps> oh, this sounds like some comic and book justice. A, a sweet sound of comic book justice. I'm starting to polish up the guillotine. Yes. <laughs> so, Jeff, if you need to bring any of these people down to our uh, theater justice guillotine at some point, our court. <laughs> Uh, A.K.A. the video game, uh, the arcade in the theater. Yeah, we've replaced the arcade, the pinball machines and everything with a with a fresh... Blood-drenched. A freshly blood-drenched guillotine. Well, it might come in handy as at least a deterrent. Um, but yeah, if you, if you enjoy your comic book shop and you like your comic book shop owner and don't want him to go bankrupt and you'd like to see a store stay in business, pick up your comics... At least once a month. Um, and if you don't want the books, tell them. The, the guy that owed me two grand, he, I would send him two messages grand. and he'd be like, I'll be in, in this week, I swear I'll be in. I just got a new job, got a second job, I'm making extra money. And then you, you extend them and you let them go a little further. And, you know, I'll be in. So just be a man. Just don't be a pussy and just say, hey, man, I can't afford them. Put them out. You, know, you really let that guy go for way too long. He and I had a long history. I mean, I've known him for twenty years. But you know, we're gonna. I'm gonna have to find out who this is when these mics turn off. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those things where you know, it 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 really hurts because once that stuff's out of circulation, you can't move it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's if right. it's a title that was out six months ago, people have bought it. Yeah. You know, well, that's one of the things about comic books. More recently, that really kind of bums me out. 
when I go to conventions and, and you, you have the dealers that have the, you know, the back issue boxes on tables, but then under the tables, they have other boxes and shit's not bagged or anything. And it's more modern comics within the last three years. And, uh, and it's like a dollar each or three for a dollar. And it's like, wow, all these comics that I'm buying have zero value mostly right and it's like it's, the, the odd one that that maybe goes up in value everybody knows how to collect comic books now so it's everybody takes care of them they they you know i shouldn't say everybody because some of the comics on my rack get pretty wrecked from people but <laughs> but for the most part people are keeping their books in nice shape they're putting them in boxes they're so it's easy to find this stuff the stuff doesn't dry up it, you know you can find a nice quality copy of a book that you're looking for it's not like back in the 60s or and i'll use my dad as an example my dad grew up during world war ii and when he when my grandfather was in the war they rented out a room in their house to an older man and he would every friday bring my dad a paper bag full of comic books we're talking 1941 42 43 so i can't even he read them, you know, until the covers fell off. He stuck them in his back pocket, mm-hmm. traded them with friends. So they, no one took care of these books like they were ever going to be worth anything. They were just kids' entertainment. It was just right. completely disposable. And they got, you know, my dad went to the Navy and he had a lot of baseball cards from that era too and comic books. And, you know, he came back and they were gone. So someone threw him out and he doesn't know what happened to him. But the, the, no one thought that stuff was going to be worth anything. So that's why yeah. when you find stuff from that era... It's worth a fortune. Now everybody keeps everything pristine, and it's easy to find high-grade comics. And that, that's why the stuff... Until know, the upcoming nuclear war. Until then, the nuclear war eliminates You survive. You can trade them with the Mad Max type right. nomads. But that's why the only exceptions nowadays are things like Walking Dead that ends up becoming a phenomenon, mm-hmm. but has such a low print run that you have a million people that want that book, number one, but, but there's like 7,000 copies of it. I sold one of those. He did. Why don't we blaze through Legacy Number One? Yeah, Jeff, you sold me this comic book. <laughs> I want a refund. Uh, wait, what was the cover price on this? It was five ninety nine. Actually, five ninety nine for this many pages seems kind of fair in today's yeah, it's a good comic size book industry. It right? took forever to read it. Oh God! It, yeah, it was kind of was difficult long. to get through. Uh, Jeff, why are you selling me comics like this, man? Well, oh, geez, where do I start? Um, I thought it was kind of boring. Um, I was really having high hopes that it would bring back kind of the fun Marvel age again. Um, so far, it hasn't. It was more of the same shit that there's we've a, gotten from there's Marvel. There's a glimmer of a, the hope of a promise in there that maybe... We'll get back to the fun Marvel Right. Stuff. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Like but this it, issue itself was not fun or fun to read. No. No. The, it, the only fun... I'm sorry to interrupt, Ian, but the only fun parts were like the the hints or the, the little cameos that were like returning characters were going to have like the Captain America bit, Wolverine. It, I thought it was kind of cool to see Ghost Rider even though that part was stupid. Um, who the fuck is that I, other guy in the red... I don't know. I don't know. That was uh, Starbrand. He's new. For, well, he's from the new universe from back in the 80s. 
and I guess they've brought him into the regular Marvel Universe. For those of you who don't remember, because you're not as old as me, the new universe, it was uh, a separate universe that Marvel created back in the 80s. Kind of like the Ultimate Universe was, except they had totally new, unique heroes, and it was kind of real world. I think it might have been even real time. Hmm. Um, there was a famous comic called The Pit. It was a one-shot where Pittsburgh got nuked. Oh, no. Um, but Starbrand <laughs> was a character from that that they've since... Marvel's ahead of the curve here, folks. Stop yeah. up on your comics. <laughs> they have since brought... Yeah, well, that was back during the original uh, Cold War. Now we're getting to another one, it looks like. But, um, but uh, New Universe kind of failed, but um, they brought Star Starbrand back into the Marvel Universe somehow. And he's one of the characters that I guess is kind of a legacy character, a character that's been around for thousands and thousands of years in one form or another. Yeah, it looks like the book opens up with, in, in olden times, with uh, like old legendary versions of some of the heroes that we know, or the totems of the heroes that we know. Mm -hmm. we, get, um, <clears throat> we get Thor's dad, we get a version of uh, Black Panther, we get an Iron Fist. A, the Immortal Iron Fist. The Immortal Iron Fist. We get a Ghost Rider on a, I'm assuming on this... Uh, Woolly Mammoth. Woolly Mammoth. We get a version of Doctor Strange. And I'll tell you what, man, I didn't hate any of that stuff. It doesn't recall anything of the old legacy. See, I didn't like that stuff. See, I, I thought that was interesting, and they're fighting a celestial, and I, I like the Eternals from Neil Gaiman uh, that came out probably like 12 years ago ago that had to do with the Celestials. They're kind of Marvel's version of the, the New Gods yeah. from DC. So I kind of I kind of like that, but I, I think that I would prefer that in a different book, not a book that promised to return us to the, to like yeah, that's the old issue. days. And here's why I didn't like any of that stuff. Because Marvel... Like Marvel, was the promise of legacy is to bring us back to yeah. the characters we all know and love, and presumably the legacy of the, those characters. And I'm there's gonna... never been like I mean Stephen Strange, he is like like there's. Well, we're, we're to assume that a sorcerer. There have been other sorcerer supremes. So Since that does time, fit in, yeah. too. Mm -hmm. Same with... Yeah, it, it works. Same with the Spirit of Vengeance has existed since mm -hmm. the it, beginning of time. It works, but, like, we know the the Ancient One. Uh, we know <clears throat> Johnny Blaze. Like, there are previous versions that have existed in the Marvel that we know and love that we can use the build on from one to the next and use those starting characters. Who the fuck are these people? We know, we know Odin. That's it. And then they made up a bunch of bullshit trying to make their history seem more important and, and the, more deep than it really was. What's that upcoming book, Avengers BC or whatever it's going to be called? You know, where it's going to be those guys. Avengers stupid. That's yeah. what it should be <laughs> It's another Avengers book that no one asked for. At least, like, you know, you know pull, go, pull, go back to, like, the timely stuff. Pull some of those characters out, like... DC, if they want to do some old school legacy history stuff, they can use the Justice Society. They can pull all of those 40s, 50s characters. Marvel, like, Marvel starts with, like, the Captain America age and goes from then. You can use the yeah. Young Avengers characters. You can, you know, King Bishop. There have been plenty of legacy characters 
since then, you can tell good stories with. We don't need to learn all this bullshit that no one cares about. For comparison, I'm going to compare it to Rebirth because I thought... I was just going to go there. Go ahead. They're both, to me, parallel books for each company, and I thought Rebirth was everything that was right that Legacy was not. Um, Rebirth had kind of brought back like a fun feeling to DC, and it it brought back characters that people love, like Wally West. Yeah, there was some drama in it. There was some drama. There was fun stuff. There was some because Wally West is a character that a lot of people know. And the people. With. Yeah, but Paul, I'm not familiar with him, and yet I was like totally in. It. it made you care about him. It it didn't require some kind of attachment to the character. Like the book stood on its own. But there were cool little Easter egg, like not Easter eggs, but maybe foreshadows to. You know, when Batman finds out that there's three versions of the Joker running around and he finds the button in the Batcave and things like that. Um, but it was fun. It, it made me excited to read comics. There was nothing really about Legacy that got me excited. It was some cool stuff. Seeing Captain America being kind of bummed out and depressed and sitting in a, you know, spoiler alert, sitting in a cafe. and It just, to me, was... <laughs> I like to hear a spoiler alert. He's, yeah. he's drinking that's, coffee. Everyone. That's like the most uh, exciting thing that happened in the comic. Scandalous. He was just a Nazi. But here's the thing, Jeff. That was my favorite page in the comic book. Yeah, I mean... Seeing Captain America back. I'd rather just skip ahead to the and, part and where by he's the way, cool I, again and fun. Yeah, I know. I like the art on that page as well. I like I liked a lot of the art in it, but a lot of it made no sense, and especially by what I think is the second half of the book. Because I read it on Ian's iPad and it just seemed infinite. <laughs> I just. But by like the second half, it just seemed like a bunch of like one shot, couple pages. Like, yeah. Oh, Deadpool's doing this. Wolverine's doing this. Jean Grey's doing this. Like none of it. It wasn't a coherent book from start to finish. Like the the Loki uh, fake Avengers story with the. Um, Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider stuff. Yeah. Just tell that story. That's enough to get us going. And does anyone fucking care about Mr. Fantastic's kids? Come on. Well, they might be the reason why Marvel, the universe, has been so weird. But um, so but, well, that, it is what it is. Right but they might be the catalyst. They might be the the Doctor Manhattan of this whole storyline. Which is fine because I mean, if they're gonna take a page out of DC's playbook. The Dr. Manhattan thing has been largely irrelevant up until now. But at least whenever it happened, it was definitely something that drove me as a comic book reader to be excited about the brand and buy books that I wouldn't normally buy. Right. Now, uh, it definitely seems like they're bringing back some characters, which that's one of the positive things you can take from this Wolverine's coming back. Um, Captain America's coming back. Um, Tony Stark's coming Tony back. Tony Stark is coming back. Thor looks like he's coming back, even if he's still not uh, worthy. Um, He'll get there. But <laughs> I don't think Thor really left, though. Isn't he still... He just lost his arm and lost his dignity. But yeah. he's, he's still in the book, though, isn't he? For the yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he has his own yeah. But Jane, Jane Foster's dying. So. They gotta bring him back. Ragnarok's coming out. They cut his hair and everything. He's ready for his close-up. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it, yeah, you guys nailed it. Like, it wasn't very fun to read. <laughs> like, there are parts of it that are that are fun. I like. I, I did enjoy some of the Ghost Rider stuff. Like I said before, I like the stuff at the beginning with Avengers BC. Hey, I'd buy that book. All the artwork for the Avengers BC stuff was awesome. I don't know if that was a side 
Rubick or uh, Steve McNiven or a variety. How about of both seventeen of them? other additional artists? Why? Was well, that so stuff was Assad Rubick and Steve McNiven because this book is five hundred pages long. That's okay. why. <laughs> Hence the six dollar price tag. You know what? You know what? Maybe they should. I mean, one artist could have done it. It looks like they got a handful of the artists that are going to be featured in the new books. On their books. Um, but this book, it's supposed to drive you to be excited about the entire line, and, oh, I can't wait to get this book. There is no book that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get it. You know, when I when I read Rebirth, and any time I read a Jeff Johns comic, I feel like this is a guy who's a fan of comic books. Mm-hmm. And when I read anything Marvel these days, I don't get the feeling that the guys are fans of comic books. Yeah. Or, like, these characters are beloved characters that were something that they held on throughout their childhood. Yeah. Like, this, for better or for worse, like, it's just a job. I'm getting paid a lot of money. Sure, I kind of like Spider-Man, but whatever. Did you get the sense that almost every page in this thing felt like some kind of nod to, um, like their film counterparts almost like oh okay we got to get loki in there okay we got to get uh who else do we do we have that we got no because so much of the book was like weirdos like the non-avengers you know iron heart i don't know like all these I, weirdos i i didn't today's okay maybe not just the movies but like today's marvel um is largely influenced by the movies like doctor strange iron fist getting pages um Loki had a significant role. I don't know. I don't think it's a bad thing to try to... Marvel for a long time hasn't really done... Hasn't given their villains uh, front and center placing. And even even though I know Loki's sort of they like haven't. a... They haven't because the Marvel heroes have been fighting each other for fucking forever. Yeah, well, in this yeah, they made Loki a good guy. Isn't he going He's after... He's trying to save the world, isn't he? Isn't, that's what people isn't he like. leading these frost giants to like he's find tricking the, them isn't he tri- trying to find the last soul gem or something I thought so I can't yeah. remember yeah, the details yeah, he, well, that's what he was trying to do but I, instead he found a celestial I read it last night and found find, find that I've already forgotten half of what I read but. Mm. well because it wasn't that good yeah like it, like what are they doing with Deadpool in his one page what, like, it what was, was like we gotta get him in there because they had to get Deadpool in there and by the way, people love why are his pants not pulled down if he's sitting on the toilet? Because he was hiding in there, not shitting. Well, he should have been shitting because that might have been a little funnier. Wade likes to shit with his pants on. <laughs> he was, he was Wade, shitting. because he's your buddy. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, I think we're all across the board giving this at least one thumb down, right? I'm, I'm going to give it two thumbs down. I think this was a big turd. Yeah, it wasn't very. There good. was so little that I liked of it. I can't even get. Is there like is there going to be another one or no, do they now they're just going to go off into their go right into the titles? Yeah. Titles. Oh, well, that makes. Well, that makes a little more sense. I thought this was legacy number one of like a six part nah, story. It kind of feels like it, right? Because it just stops. Well, now, well now, it now it makes more sense because it is essentially a Marvel previews. Yeah. Just make the fucking Marvel previews. This was a waste of fucking 15 minutes of my life tonight. Here's another issue I have with Marvel is that their art just doesn't feel like Marvel art to me anymore. Marvel art used to be dynamic and, and jump off the page Dynamism. and be fun. Mm-hmm. And that's it's it seems like the coloring is dark now and muddy. And 
even reading it, even the, the better artists like like Rebic, I feel like their their art is just so dark and kind of bland to look at. And to me, I, I like the bright colors. I like I like them to feel like superhero books. Yeah, I think that Rebic art has a place in time, but usually it's like all that old Thor like Viking shit. Like it's so yeah. appropriate then, but don't I don't want to see that with my superheroes. Right, so. and I feel like you know I like an artist like. Bilson Kevich, mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily like him drawing like a good girl book. Yeah, yeah, you know, like there's different, and I don't necessarily like maybe Amanda Connor drawing The Punisher. Right. <laughs> you know, I and mean, not that that's happened, but yeah, you know, certain artists their styles just don't aren't appropriate for certain characters. I think. I'm, I'm looking through the Marvel previews for the or the uh, Marvel Spotlight for all the new books, and I'm looking at some of the artists, and I'm just. I'm honestly not really blown away by a lot of the stuff. The new Incredible Hulk has Greg Land on. I don't know how Greg Land continues to get. Jesus sized. It's Avengers, and that looks fairly bland to me. I'm not into it. There so are I really like this stuff. Oh, I don't know. Like there, there isn't one book as I'm flipping through these new titles. That I'm like, oh, that looks really cool. Not, not one. I'm pretty much out. And it, it even features. Artists like Mark Bagley is on a book, and I'm like, eh, I've seen him draw Venom before. I don't think I need to read an ongoing Venom book. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what I'm, as a Marvel fan, I don't know which books I'm gonna. I'm totally getting Spirits of Vengeance. I think that looks cool. Yeah. That's the one that seems to have the most, to me, buzz from my customers, but it's a mini series. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, I mean, that's Marvel strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> So maybe it'll sell so well that they'll be like, okay, we'll keep it going. But yeah, that Venom looks pretty good too, dude. It's, it's all right. Good. It's all right. I it's all right. See, I have an issue. I have an See, issue. I've seen it before, though. You know what I mean? Like I've seen uh, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. in two, not just once, but in two different iterations of Bagley's career, I've seen him draw Venom things. I have an issue with villains having books, and I don't even know if Venom's a villain anymore. But to me. Jeff, they are you him. new? He's a lethal protector. Yeah, well, I remember that, but <laughs> I didn't like that back then. I just, I feel like he was such an awesome villain that they should have kept it that way and not had him helping old ladies across the street and kissing babies and all that stuff. The Amazing Spider-Man has Stuart Eminen on it. Unfortunately, it still has Dan Slott writing it. Stuart so. Eminen has been drawing it, and that's the only reason to get the book is because his art is fantastic. But anyway, okay, so let's wrap this up, and <clears throat> Legacy number one comes out. It, it, is this going to save Marvel, or are they in trouble? And as a result, Jeff, are you in trouble? Um, I'm hoping that the issues are good, that the, the, the new Captain America is strong, the new you know, Thor and Spider-Man. I hope that bringing back the, the characters gets people interested again. I know that the difference I've noticed in the last year is that people were coming off the street for Rebirth, and I only sold Legacy to my regulars. And I think by this time last year, I was almost out of Rebirth, which I had purchased more copies of. Well, cause, uh, and I still have a lot of Legacy left. When you say coming off the street, I can imagine just people just opening up the door, slamming it, like, <laughs> where's that Rebirth? You got that Rebirth hookup? You, you get, every now and then, you, you get these <laughs> phenomenon where... People who have like a very casual interest in comic books, something sparks their interest and 
they're not a regular, they're not anyone you've ever seen before, but they come in and they, they've got to check out this Rebirth that they read well, about. Well, it probably yeah. had a lot to do with the fact that DC's promotion for Rebirth was all the superheroes you love back just the way you love them. Big, classic Superman, mm-hmm. classic Aquaman, mm-hmm. Batman. Legacy's like, still team diversity, but there may be some surprises in store later. Like, we don't know anything like, I don't think people I don't think Marvel fans are against diversity or anything like that but I think they don't want it at the expense of the characters that they've spent the last right. 50 years Which falling in love with you know? with Marvel the last couple of years yeah. 50 years speak for yourself I'm only 46 but anyway but it's <laughs> it's just to me it's you can't you know Riri Williams could be a great character but you don't get rid of Tony Stark you know, have Tony Stark mentor her and, and build the character up and make it somebody people want to Have read. her be a supporting character right. in Iron Man for a few years before she garners and enough of her own follow That's fellowship. the way they used to do it in comics. Yeah. It took Wolverine forever to get his own book. And he was... When I started reading comics in, in 87, Wolverine was only in Uncanny X-Men. And we were always... My buddies and I... He had had a miniseries. He had a the miniseries. My buddies and I were all like, why doesn't Wolverine have his own book? He, he was by far the most popular character, even then. And it took did Marvel you, till, like... Did you write in to the company? Were you a person that wrote into Lenny? No, I wasn't. I didn't. I just... To Stan's soapbox? I, I did not write. I did not. But I, I always hoped that he would get his own title. I think it was 89 or 90 when he finally did. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I got to a point in there mid-2000s where I was like, Wolverine needs less titles. Um, but, I, I, you know, the characters had to prove themselves back then, and they, they got a miniseries as a tryout. Now they just get an ongoing series without being proven. Well, mm-hmm. Marvel's all miniseries these days. Well, you get a... <laughs> yeah. In the, I gotcha. There's a character America that I think is in the Ultimates. And the Ultimates is... Uh, was she uh, a young, new... She was a new Avenger. Think, right? Maybe at one point. I thought you know, it was a but young I think Avenger. No, okay. Most recently, she's yeah, in Ultimates, right. Ultimates Two, I think. Mm-hmm. And the book has kind of a cult following, but it doesn't really sell that well. It's it's not a strong seller, and they gave her own ongoing title. Yeah. So a book I'm selling two copies of a month spawned another series where I'm getting one copy a month. Yeah. Like that's not helping anybody. You know, if they thought we have a cool character here. Let's do a mini series. Let's do like a four issue series, and I think a lot of people people are more willing to give a four issue series a shot than an ongoing series. Yeah. If they find out from the beginning it's an ongoing series, they're not even going to try it. So too much commitment. Hey Ian, why don't you uh, rate Legacy before we sign off here for the night? Rate it. Like yeah, on the... a on a traditional McSauce ten point scale. Legacy number Paul one. On scale. Uh, well, well, you can't no, really give no, it polynomics. Polynomics is for shit right. coming out. Boy, oh boy. Uh, I did not like this. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a three. Um, I think that the art was really good. Despite what you guys said about Avengers BC, I'm all in. But everything else, I didn't really like all that much. And it didn't spark the interest. It didn't do what it set out its purpose was. Which was mm-hmm. to get a longtime Marvel fan to be interested in the upcoming event or change shift in um, what the publisher was doing so 
I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'll get Spider Man, but they still have the writer that I really hate on it. Right. So that's a that's a fifty fifty proposition, and everything else from just this book didn't really spark my interest. So I, I'll give it a three. Matt. Well, you know, we re- we gave polynomics, Jeff. What polynomics are is uh, the ratio of our excitement to our expectations for certain things, uh, each getting its own 10-point scale, mm-hmm. and the ratio equals nothing. So, Correct. <laughs> so we have, we have uh, funny math here on McSauce, but um, we talked about the Doomsday Clock storyline that's okay. coming up, uh, what, in a, a month, two months? Three months? Um, I think it starts in November, if I'm right. That's almost next month. Yeah. In a, in a day, we can say that's next month. But, um, so I said I was a three and a three for excitement and expectations. Now we're on a scale of what? Ten. Okay. Uh, I, and then I started thinking about what that could be versus what I read out of Legacy. Because, like... Three feels like a good number, but does it feel good? It feels like an appropriate number, right? You know, like at face value. And then I think, well, geez, I gave Doomsday Clock a, a three for excitement and expectation. Well, I certainly expect it to be better than what Legacy was. So I either need to bump up Doomsday Clock, which I still think is valid. I'm gonna, I gotta give Legacy like a one. It was crappy. All these different artists. Ian, you hit the nail on the head. This was the thing that was supposed to do something very, very specific. And it accomplished none of it. You know, maybe we're going to check out some of these new Marvel titles, but it's not because of this book. However, Jeff, I must say, the comic book that you sold me is in pristine condition. I love it. The spine is perfectly clean in crisp corners. I like a gatefold cover. It's a lovely gatefold cover, and and it's just a great uh, looking comic book, like in terms of the quality. Um, And I don't think you'd get that anywhere else other than Arkham Gift Shop. Yeah, I try try to keep my comics in nice shape. Jeff, Um, you want to give us a legacy rating before we sign out here? First, let me uh, give my little polynomics on. Doomsday Clock. The buzz I'm getting. Well, you're a week late, but I guess we'll allow. The buzz I'm getting is I'm going to sell fistfuls of that comic book, so I think it's going to be a huge hit. Way, way more than this thing was. Um, But yeah, I I would say on a scale of ten, I would give Doomsday Clock ten, based on on the buzz I'm getting. What? Excitement or expectations? Both. Whoa! That's a whoa! That's coming in hot. Yes. I have one customer. I have one customer who is an Alan Moore like you can't touch his work because yeah. Alan Moore would never use anyone else's characters. So why would you use his? Yeah, Alan Moore. That's all he does is use other people's characters. But um, anyway, I, I think it's gonna be hit. I have one person. I think he's not that excited about, it, but he's still gonna get it. Yeah. Um, but Legacy, I think I feel a little bit more strongly about than you guys, but I still don't feel particularly strong about it. I I would give it a very average 5 out of 10. It, um, 
wasn't a terrible comic, but on the other hand, it certainly didn't get me excited about reading anything in the future. And I really wanted it to be the next Rebirth, because I think Rebirth, like I said, got everybody really excited about DC. And I don't think that this is going to have that effect. I think the books are on their own. Yeah, I think it's up to individuals seeking out the, the creators that they like, and I'm not really blown away by any of the creators that I saw. I'm, I'm holding out a little bit of hope. I'm not 100% willing to write them off, but if, if Marvel doesn't deliver with Legacy, at least to some degree, I think I might just write the company off until there's like full um, regime change. Yeah, I think if this... If this flops, your heads are gonna roll there. Well, so far, the, the guillotine is Marvel. halfway down. Marvel Publishing Justice. <laughs> That's gonna do it for us tonight. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. And I'm Matt Casal with special guest. Jeff Bigley from Arkham Gift Shop in Allison Park in Pittsburgh. Look me up. Jeff, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a good time. See you guys.